Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. There's something about people pressing to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and Jesus saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing. We haven't caught a thing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed or caught a great multitude of fishes, so much so that their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that the ships began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him were astonished at the draught or the catch of fishes that they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Don't be afraid, fear not. From henceforth you shall be fishers of men, or you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships unto land, they forsook all and followed him. We're going to take our text out of verse number 4. Jesus said, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. This morning we're going to talk on the subject, let it happen. Let it happen. Look at a few folks around you and tell them, let it happen. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Your presence is in this place. God, it's you that are the center of it all. You're the master You're the savior, you're the healer, you're the deliverer, you're the one we're here for. God, we ask you to do what you want to do this morning. Speak to us, your servants are listening. We want to hear from you. God, I pray that any spirit or any distraction that would try to keep your people from stepping into the fullness of what you have for them would be dismissed right now in the name of Jesus. 
And God, we call on your Holy Spirit to do its work today. We yield to it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can you do me a favor and put your hands together and give God praise one more time? Somebody shout hallelujah. God does everything through the mode of series, sequence, and succession. What I just told you is God is a God of timing. He's a God of timing. He has appointments set in time specifically for his people and for his purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, we all know this verse of scripture. To everything there is a season, and there is a time for every purpose under heaven. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. What I just told you is, if it hasn't happened yet, it's simply not time yet. If you've been believing for it and it hasn't happened yet, it's just not time yet. That's not your cue to give up on it. If it hasn't happened yet, keep holding on. If it hasn't happened yet, keep believing. If it hasn't happened yet, keep praying. If it hasn't happened yet, keep doing what you know to do. Sometimes that's all we can do is what we know to do. God's timing is perfect. I know Isaiah tells us that they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. His timing is perfect. And such is the case here with Peter, his partners, and the people. God's timing is perfect. We know this because our text begins with a very familiar phrase that we see throughout Scripture, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. I'll pause there and remind you that this too shall pass whatever mess you're dealing with it shall pass the reason this phrase is injected into any text in scripture is to remind you that time has lapsed that things have happened and we have arrived at a very specific moment in the dialogue of scripture when we hear that, and it came to pass. This is important because Jesus had been watching Peter. This is not the first encounter that he had with Peter. We do know that Peter forsook all in this moment and followed Christ, but it wasn't his first encounter with Christ. If you dig in scripture, you'll see in John chapter 1, you'll see in John chapter 2, 
you'll see in John chapter 4, moments and encounters that, John, that Peter had with Christ before this moment happened. And in, I want to say this the right way because I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm about to say. An encounter with Jesus will keep you interested. But a personal experience with him is what makes you a follower. Many people have encounters with Jesus every Sunday. You have encounters with him because you've seen him do a thing in somebody else's life. You've had encounters with him because you've seen it happen in your parents' life. But you tend to ask the question, what about me, Lord? Why hasn't it happened for me? See, Peter in Luke chapter 4, just one chapter prior to this text we're reading now, he had a sick mother-in-law. And Jesus went to his house. So Jesus knew Peter. He knew him so well that he knew where he lived. He knew him so well that a personal prayer request was answered. And Jesus healed his mother-in-law. But Peter had yet to start following Jesus. He just had encounters with him. Why? Because it hadn't gotten personal for him yet. It hadn't gotten personal personal for him. You see, when, you, uh, when it becomes personal, you'll forsake all and follow him. When it becomes personal, you'll forsake all and follow him. See, he loved Jesus clearly. He had a respect for him clearly, but he hadn't given it all up just yet. He was still fishing every night. He was still doing what he knew to do. I want to pause right there. I, I, I mentioned this to our staff in our pre-service meeting, and I want to rehearse it back to you. You know, a lot of us live our life like we're the star of the movie. When we think about our life, we think about we're the main role, and everybody else is supporting act. And many times, when we have an encounter with Jesus, he becomes, to us, a supporting actor. And so we walk through our lives still believing or living through the paradigm that I'm the starring role. And he's here to support my role. And it's not until you really have a personal experience with him that you gain the revelation that this is his movie and I might just be an extra. I might just be, see, right now it, it would seem that, that in this movie of this morning that, that maybe I'm the centerpiece of the, the thing because I got the mic and I got the stage and everybody's looking at me and listening. But really it could be about that, that lady sitting in the back over here. And I'm just a supporting role. We have got to get to the place again. 
because we've lost it in current Christianity that Jesus is the center of it all. Jesus is why we do what we do. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Only Jesus can save somebody's soul. Only Jesus can deliver you. Only Jesus I'm not getting enough amens on Jesus. See, that's part of the problem because we've turned Jesus into a mascot that can come in here and dance around for us and we can clap and cheer for him, but something else is our master. No, Jesus is our master. He is the center of it all. It's important to understand this because as we walk our way through this word, that has to be a fundamental concept that's in your mind as you're hearing how we traverse through this. Jesus is the center. This is his story, not my story. So I'm going to challenge some people this morning to get past the encounter and have an experience with him. You've been asking the question, when is it going to happen for me? I believe that this morning, you're not going to have an encounter with Jesus. You're going to have a personal experience with him. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. You see, the shoreline is for the many. But the deep is for the few. The blessings are for the many. But the miracles are for the few. God's just trying to see, will you let it happen? Will you let it happen? Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but do you want to? Will you let it happen? Somebody say yes. talk about this principle of let let Jesus said launch out into the deep and let down your nets this word let in the Greek literally means to give opportunity or to free or loose from confinement let Webster's defines the word let as to allow or to permit. Interesting fact, the first word we hear God speak in creation is this word, let. Chapter 1, verse 2, let there be light. See, this is how God chose to set the tone for all of creation. This was the principal foundation he chose to build purpose on. What is that? The principle of let. Let. He breathed let or let there be light or let light be. Before, if we read the verse carefully, it says that the spirit of God was moving over the waters and then God said, let there be light. If, we need, if, if, if 
we really want a word from God, we better find where his spirit is moving. We need a move of God before we get the word from God. That's the principle set here. The other thing I'd like to draw from this, and this is a good principle that you can take home, a nugget. On the other side of let is light. So if you'll let it happen, there'll be a revelation on the other side. What you've been looking for, you can finally see. Or the darkness you've been living in suddenly evaporates. Somebody say let. The interesting thing about this word in Genesis chapter 1 is that he keeps saying it. He keeps saying it. 1 verse 2, let there be light. Verse 6, let there be. Verse 9, let the water. Verse 11, let the land. Verse 14, let there be. Verse 15, let them be. Verse 20, let the water be. Verse 24, let the land produce. Who is he speaking to when he's saying let? Who is he speaking to? Simply, God is talking to the earth or he's speaking to creation. See, when God speaks, there has to be a response. Our responsibility is to respond to what God speaks to us. When God gives a word, there has to be response. So the earth had to let to make way for God's word to perform. So when God says let, the earth had to allow or permit the word to perform. To perform. Simply put, the earth had to say yes. The difference between, you know, you and I, we are created from the dust of the earth. That's what Genesis chapter 2 tells us when he created us. That's how he made us. The difference between the earth or creation and us is the earth had no choice. The earth already knew when he speaks, I respond. The earth already knew if he says this, yes, sir. I must say yes. And so as he, as earth or creation says yes, the word begins to perform and things happen. We have a choice about that. Many of us complain about our current circumstance, but the reality is we've been saying mm, no. We haven't been saying. So everything at this point has been about creation. It's been about God and earth. God and earth. And then in verse 26 he says, let us make man in our own image. All of a sudden it becomes relational. All of a sudden it becomes Relational. When he says, let us make man or mankind in our image and let them together have dominion. Grant passage that they have dominion. There's a difference between the vertical and the horizontal. We talked about this in membership class today. When the Pharisees and the lawyers approached Jesus in order to 
uh, stump him in front of everybody. They said, Lord, what is the greatest command? And Jesus responds the way I like. He asks him another question. He says, you tell me. So the lawyer says, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And he says, yes, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, the lawyer tries to stump Jesus, and he says, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells him the beautiful story of the good Samaritan. And at the end, he asked the, the lawyer, he said, hey, lawyer, who was the neighbor? And the lawyer had to say the Samaritan. That was hard for him to say because Samaritans were outcasts. He was teaching him that it's more than vertical. It's not just love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But it's love your neighbor as yourself. So as Jesus, or as God is setting up this principle, this foundational principle of creation, this principle of let, he shows us first that in order for the word to work in our life, we have to give it permission. We have to say yes. There has to be some kind of uh, 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 a yielding that happens so that his word can perform. We have to let it happen. But he also, in the same chapter, makes sure we understand that purpose is not confined to us alone. Because he said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, make man in our image and let them have dominion. So he points it out. See, I like Nehemiah when he's talking about the people of God. He said, let us build. Let us build. The challenge in the church today is we have a hard time with the let us. We have a hard time linking arms and doing the work of the Lord together. Be careful who you let in your life. Be careful who you let in your life. Your relationships can help or they can hurt you. Many times they can do both. Be careful who you let in your life. See, I remember, I seem to remember Lazarus bouncing up out of that tomb when Jesus called him, raised him from the dead, and he comes bouncing out, and he's all full of bandages. And Jesus looks at them and says, loose him, and what? Let him go. Who's he speaking to? Everybody that was there was either family or friends of Lazarus. There's two groups of people there, family and friends. Nobody can bind you up like your family can. Nobody can keep you on lockdown like your family can. Familiarity is a crazy thing because they'll, they'll say things like, isn't this that carpenter's son? Isn't this that carpenter? People who think they know you will try to keep you in what they think you should be. Be careful who you let in your life. But take it a little personal too, okay? Too many Christians are real good at binding devils. But they are horrible at loosing people. When Pastor Rick dropped that bomb on me, I was like, Ugh. 
We're good at chasing down the devil and binding him, but we want to keep people in lockdown. We want him to have mercy on us, but we're not willing to give mercy to them. We want God's grace to be shed abroad in our life, but we ain't got no grace for them. We want the blood of Jesus to hide our secrets, but we think their secrets should be on the front lines. We don't want nobody talking about our business, but we'll share their business all day long and, and on Tuesday. Let us, let us. The word let literally means stop pre preventing and start permitting. Find people who will stop preventing your progress. Find people who will release you and not restrain you. Find people that will take stuff off of you instead of leaving it on you. Surround yourself with folk who will let you leave when what is familiar so that you can enter your future. I'll say that again. Find folks that will let you leave what they think you are so that you can walk in who you're supposed to be. Find people that believe in your future. And realize this. There are people in your life that cannot wait to see the person God ordained you to be. There are people in your life that are depending on you to become who God called you to be. Let. Do not get in the way. Do not get in the way. See, um, um, it's a sacred cow, so I'm going to be careful. So, for generations or at least the last 40 years, I'm 45, so I've heard this most of my life. The big word was find an accountability partner, right? And hold one another accountable. The pro there ain't nothing wrong with that. Problem is what it turned into was a no session. A bunch of no, not, you can't, and I got the key to your lockbox. And it developed a pattern in God's people of saying no. See, the interesting thing about when God created heaven and earth, he gave man a bunch of yeses. You can freely eat of any tree. He only gave him one no. He gave him one no. The rest, yes. So you can have any of this. You just can't have that. We've reversed it. And there are very few yeses coming out of the people of God's mouth. We need some more yeses in this generation. We need some more yeses in this house. Can somebody say yes? Can somebody say yes? yes? He made them to have dominion. 
Find people in your life that are yes people. They always tell you, don't have a yes man because he's just going to say yes to whatever you say. People accuse me of being a yes man for Pastor Rick. You know what the problem is? I am a yes man for Pastor Rick. Why? Because if he dreams it, I say, yes, we can do it. If he speaks the, word, the prophetic word, then I say, yes, I'm going after that word. He's a daddy to me, so I'm going to say yes. Can I get somebody, any yes people? In the, see, you need to find somebody in your life that says, yes, your dreams can come true. Yes, God's hand is on your life. Yes, you will succeed and you shall not fail. Yes, you will find love again. Yes, you will find that person that God has designed for your life. Yes, your child will come home and your child shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Yes, you will be healed. I don't care what the doctor said. I'm standing in agreement with you. And yes, you will be healed. I need some yes people in this room that can say I don't know who's standing next to me I don't know who's in front of me but yes yes you can do it yes you can start that business yes you will be successful yes somebody say yes so we ought to pray like that yes Lord Let it happen. You got to let it happen. You got to let it happen. Side note, wasn't going to go here. Let some folks go. Let them go. Quit holding the grip. Let them go. Let them go. Some of you are holding people in your life and you're holding them back from their future. Let them go. Let them go. Some of you are holding people in your life because you don't know what life's going to look like if you let them go. I'm telling you, let them go. Pray like this. Pray like this. Pray let. Pray yes. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. We need to pray like Mary. Mary said, I'm going to... I'm going to say yes. You're saying something crazy right now. The word of the Lord to her was I'm going to be a virgin and I'm going to carry the son of God. That's crazy. But you know what I'm going to say? Yes. Let it be unto me. This is how God's people need to start praying. Stop carrying doubt in your mind when you hear the word of God. Yes, you can be an overcomer. Yes, you are an overcomer. Yes, you are the head and not the tail. Let it be unto me according to your word. Yes, Lord, I am the head. Yes, Lord, I'm not the tail. Yes, Lord, I am blessed. Yes, Lord, I'm blessed in the city. Yes, Lord, I'm blessed in the field. Yes, Lord, I'm blessed when I come. Yes, Lord, I'm blessed when I go. Yes, yes, yes. Pray like that. But here's the tough one. You got to obey like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one we don't like. You, you, you got to pray like that. Then you got to obey like that. So Simon answers Jesus. Jesus says, go out into the deep and cast your net right? Let him down. And Peter says what he has to say and what many of us are saying in this room right now. But God, I've been working at this 
all night long. Now, I know you know me. I'm a fisherman. I've been fishing my whole life. My best friends are fishermen. My daddy was a fisherman. Their daddy's a fisherman. Matter of fact, they know about him, and that's how famous he is of a fisherman. I got some big boats, which means I've been fishing for a while. I've made some money at this. I'm a fisherman. I know how to fish. My experience tells me when to fish and when not to fish. My experience tells me that I was up all night and caught nothing. It actually would have been better for me to be at home sleeping last night. I would have had a little more energy today if I'd have just not done that. And, and, and it, it, but you want me to do what? See, if you want to pray like it, you got to obey like it. See, we treat God like he's that, that cliche uh, heavenly Santa Claus and cosmic bellhop that we just ring our bell and he shows up with whatever we want. Prayer ain't enough, y'all. Prayer is necessary. But obedience is as necessary. Even God said, I desire obedience greater than sacrifice. What he said is, your obedience can get you something your money can't buy. See, we want to buy his service. You can't buy God's service. He ain't a sellout. <laughs> he ain't a rat. You can't buy him. He ain't corrupt. There's no corruption in him. You can't buy him. But you can obey. And you can get the fullness of what he's telling you. Obedience many times is uncomfortable. Pastor Rick said this a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. Obedience many times is uncomfortable. But it is never unnecessary. It is never unnecessary. See, here's the problem with obedience. It has... A requirement it has two requirements submission and compliance obedience requires submission and compliance you have to submit to the command and comply with it obedience isn't looking for attitudes Obedience is not looking for intentions. I had good intentions. Obedience is looking for action. Submission and compliance. Submission and compliance. They are both a product of let. You have to allow somebody to have the authority over you. You have to allow that word to have authority over you. You have to permit it. You have to permit them to give you the word and you do it. You know what else requires those same ingredients? Oppression. Oppression requires submission and compliance. Many times the no you're saying to God is a result of the yes you're saying to that thing that's been lording over you. 
Many times the no you're saying to God is the yes you're saying to the addiction that's holding you back. Many times the no you're saying to God is the yes you're saying to your own selfish desires. That's the one that's prevalent in this room today. That's more prevalent than any addiction. Self-addiction is more prevalent in this day and age than any, uh, any drug or anything else. Self-addiction, because it goes back to what I said from the start. You think you're the star of the show, and Christ is your supporting actor. We remain under the hand of oppression because we keep saying yes to it. I want to be free, Pastor Josh. I'm sick of this. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be in poverty. I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to be abused. I don't want to abuse. I don't want to live like this any longer. You know how you get out from under oppression? You stop saying yes to it. Stop submitting to it. Stop allowing it. Stop complying. But you don't understand. It's mental. It's a mental illness. You don't understand. It, 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 it's, it's in my physiological makeup now. Now the chemicals are too, too strong. You mean to tell me the God that made you, that designed your brain and all the neurons and all the systems you got up in you, you mean to tell me that the God that made your body, that made who you are, you mean to tell me the God that made your spirit, that breathe the breath of life in you ain't strong enough to deliver you you need to start saying yes to his word yes to his way yes to what he's telling you to do and watch that oppression break Stop saying yes to those relationships that get you down in that mess. Stop saying yes to those environments that get you down in that mess. It's time for somebody to say yes to the right thing and no to the wrong thing. I need somebody to say yes. You don't need to be oppressed no more. You don't need to be addicted no more. You don't need to be in that relationship no more. You don't need to be in poverty no more. God's blessings are for you. They are for you. God already said yes to you. I think you missed that. God already said yes to you. He already said yes to you. You don't know who I am, Pastor Josh. God ain't love me. God ain't going to love me. You don't know the mess I've done. You don't know how dirty my clothes are. You don't know how bad I've been burned. You don't know the disgusting things I've done. He already said yes to you. I ain't getting enough amens because you don't believe that. You don't believe he said yes to you. Obedience to God's word will always break oppression off your life. Fear reinforces oppression. Faith requires obedience. To obey his word, sometimes, most times, you're going to have to deny your past experience to do it. (laughs) We've been toiling all night, Jesus. I told you. We've been fishing. You saw us mending our nets, which means we're done. They had already put the stuff up. They were done fishing. So for them to do that, they had to load it all back up. So you mean to tell me, Lord, I've been doing this, and it ain't worked for 10 years. I know you called me to do it, but I believe my season is up because it ain't working. See, this is why people leave churches. 
They say their season is up because they ain't being used or it ain't working for them. And they because they're the star of the movie. <laughs> and so they mend their nets, they hang it up, and they say, that ain't going to work. And that's when Jesus shows up and says, let's go fishing. And so what Jesus is looking for is a yes. See, everything I have been through says, don't let this happen. Everything that I did not see happen says, don't let this happen. Everything that disappointed me says, don't let it happen. The timing is off because it's daytime and we, we fish at night and it's daytime and you want me to go back out there. So it says, don't let. I'm tired. I've been fishing all night. I don't want to do this. It says, don't let. The boat is empty and I do not want to let this happen. The boat is empty. My guys are probably gone. It's just us. And you want me to go out there and go, I don't want to. I'm finished and I don't want to let. Everything in your past will tell you don't let it happen. I came by to encourage you. Somebody needs to let it happen. This is where the verse of scripture that Paul gave us that he said his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Because our weakness is when his strength gets right. Our weakness is where his strength, you know why his strength is made perfect in our weakness? Because when we're weak, we ain't got the energy to resist him anymore. We ain't got the energy to say no to him anymore. So we said, fine, I ain't got no strength anyway. And then his strength performs for us. That's where Peter got. He worked his butt off all night long and had nothing to show for it. There's some people in this room, you've been given, you've been sacrificing, you've been praying. You've been believing and you ain't got nothing to show for it. Well, I came by to tell you his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And you're knocking on a big old mega door that's about to open to you. But you got to say yes. You got to say yes. You see, there's a progression to this. You know, we like to preach on nevertheless at your word. I'll cast down the, or I'll let down the net. We like to preach that. But you missed a whole series of yeses that happened before that. See, he was led into that moment because he had to let Jesus have his boat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jesus said, can you, can you push out just a little bit? He had to say yes to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jesus said, can you launch into the deep? He had to say yes to that. There was a track record that Peter was making in, in the Lord that says, I'll say yes when you say something. The more times Peter said yes, the crazier it got. But all of a sudden, he did what he didn't think would work. And he let down the net and the blessing filled his boat. It was such a big blessing, he needed his partners to gather it all. See, God's just looking for one person to say yes to him so that he can bless the many. God's just looking for one. Just looking for one person to say yes so that he can bless the many. I got three minutes. I got three minutes. I'm going to make them count. I'm going to make them count. He, he's looking for something. See, what happened here now with Peter is it created something in him. It created something in Peter. I want to encourage the people of God to study to show yourself approved. Dig in the word. There's so much good stuff in God's word that can get you everything you need. 
You just got to seek it out. You just got to seek it out. So watch this. He says yes. He says yes. And watch what happens to him. Oh, man, this is so good. He sets up, oh, man, this pattern for himself, that this conviction, I don't know what you want to call it, this thing in him that if his word is spoken, I'm saying yes. Uh, he sets up this pattern, this habit. Why do we know this? Because wherever his word goes, that's what he wants. Even when he's challenged, he's been following Jesus, and everybody leaves Jesus because his word was too hard for them to hear. He looks at his disciples and he says, will you leave me too? And it's Peter that speaks up first. Where shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. I need a word if I'm going to say yes. You carry those words. So I don't care who leaves. I'm following you. See, Peter, see, once you get this pattern set in you, then Jesus becomes the star of your movie. Because you know nothing in your life can happen without a word coming from him. So you'll try it. You'll try it out. You'll say, God, speak to me just so that I can say yes. Say something crazy to me just so that I can say yes. How do we know this? Because Peter is on a boat and it's stormy and it's crazy and they're being tossed to and fro and all of a sudden they see a ghost walking on the water and as he gets closer they realize it's Jesus and what does Peter do? He says, bid me to come unto you. Give me a word and I'll walk on it with you. Because when God gives you the word, you can do crazy stuff. When God gives you a word, you can walk out a miracle that he's walking out himself. God needs you. Why does he need you? Because you're the one he's going to bless to get everybody else blessed. But as long as you keep saying no, it ain't coming. It ain't coming. I need somebody to say yes. Let it happen. Let it happen. The word of God. Nevertheless, at your word. Because you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to see if this works. Because if it works, I'm never letting that one go. I'm never letting that one go. Because that's why he could forsake all and follow Jesus. He probably just had the greatest catch of his life. Of his entire life. He saw something he had never seen before. His ships were sinking. And he forsook it all to follow him. Because when you have an experience with Jesus. Listen. Personal experience with him. I can't pray that into your life. I can't pray that into your life. Pastor Rick can't pray that into your life. Your prayer partner can't pray that into your life. Your spouse can't make that happen in your life. It has to be a personal experience with him. Why? Because everybody has to say yes on their own. Then we can say yes together. But you have to say yes on your own first. God is looking for one yes. God is looking 
for one yes. I want to encourage you. Don't let your past experience block you from your blessing. Don't let that thing that won't leave you alone, that you keep saying yes to, hold you back from where God wants you. God made you perfectly. He made you just right. And there's something he wants for you so bad. You might be the one that God chose to break the curse of poverty over your family's generations. How many stories have you heard of somebody that came from nothing and changed their generations? They were strong enough to say, stand to your feet this morning. God, I'll follow you. Somebody say yes. You ought to tell God yes. Yes, Lord. there's something you need broken off your life this morning, I want you to say yes to God and come to this altar. If this word was for you and you've been believing for something that hasn't come to pass and you're ready to say yes, I want you to come to this altar. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. I want to come into agreement with you. Keep it down a little bit so they can hear. If this word was for you, please come to this altar. I'm ready to agree with you. Come on down, sweetheart. There's, there's, I know there's a lot of you in here, and if you, you don't want to come, I'll just pray for you where you're at. I'll, I'll just start praying for everybody. Just set, come, somebody needs to come down here and say yes. You've been believing God for some things, and you need to come say yes. Your no is what's blocking you. Your, Brother John, right now, in the name of Jesus, I come into agreement with you. The devil's tried to come at you in all kinds of ways. He's come at you from the right, the left, from behind you, from your past. He's, he's even why he's coming at you so hard because your future's so big god needed to get some of that stuff out of your life for what's on the horizon for you and he's about to give you a word to make you, you're going to say god that's crazy there's no way i can do it but if you just say yes the catch will be greater than you've ever seen in the name of jesus somebody give god praise